Hello and welcome to the Fitness Lifestyle Podcast. I am your host, Coach Danny G, and in this episode, I want to talk to you about two different 80-20 principles when it comes to nutrition. So the first 80-20 rule, and if you're unfamiliar with the 80-20 rule, it exists everywhere from marketing to agriculture to economics, um, but also in fitness, clearly, uh, and nutrition. So the first one I want to talk about is the more common one when people talk about when you're comparing where you should devote more time between, or when you're comparing the importance between exercise and nutrition. Most of the time, or typically you will see these numbers being thrown out, that nutrition is 80% of the puzzle and exercise is 20% of the puzzle, or that the importance is more heavily weighted on the nutrition side compared to the exercise side. While I agree with this, there is much more that goes into this rule, if you will. Now, when sort of fitness and activity was really starting to to take off in pop culture, this was more so in the late 80s and early 90s when more commercial facilities were popping up. There was participation. If you're in Canada, um, there was a lot more uh, importance and and uh, relevance to staying personally healthy and personally fit. And so everybody started to then go to these uh, exercise classes. They started running. They spent more time working on their personal fitness. And so exercise became a real uh, kickoff. Now, on the nutrition side, it has been always very important. However, uh, <laughs> unless you were in the medical field or um, really, really dialed in on the nutrition side, um, it wasn't particularly of importance or relevance in pop culture uh, until relatively recently, at least in my experience. That said, there's been fad diets from Atkins to low fat to uh, keto to whatever way of eating um, (laughs) you can think of, it exists somewhere. And uh, while that is not necessarily the topic of today, well, it is kind of the topic of today, but let's dive in a little bit more here. So which is more important to achieve your fitness goal? While I say that exercise is important, I do personally believe nutrition is more important than exercise because your exercise, whether you choose to go mountain biking or running or be a gym rat, that is totally fine but you will reach a point of limiting returns when you reach a level of fitness. When you reach a point of efficiency in doing whatever that activity is, you will see diminishing returns on your time investment and investment of energy. So it is still very important for the sculpting and the improving of mobility and tissue resiliency and all sorts of other stuff, muscle development, still really important. However, I do agree with the importance that nutrition is more heavily weighted or that nutrition is just more important, period. But there's much more behind the curtain because nutrition also plays into your emotions. It plays into more of your physiology. It 
plays into much more of your day um, because you have to eat more times than you can exercise in a day. And that starts on a day-to-day basis. You have to eat in order to stay alive, basically. And so uh, nutrition is hugely important and where a lot of people can really improve their lifestyle because what you eat just impacts your day-to-day basis a lot more than we think. So that is just a little bit more insight into the typical 80-20 rule when it comes to nutrition and exercise. And I've heard variations of this as well, where some people consider it 90% nutrition and 10% exercise. I don't particularly think that to be true, um, but I, I do agree with more, more nutrition over exercise. But let's move on to the second and the potentially more interesting 80-20 rule when it comes to nutrition. So everybody has their own favorite diet, whether that is one that you have concocted yourself because you've found what you enjoy eating, you've found what works for you either intuitively or through following a specific diet. Um, And let me specify, when I say diet, I'm talking about things like the ketogenic diet or the paleo diet or the vegetarian diet or vegan diet. When I talk about nutrition, I'm talking about the holistic thing of what you're eating, what you're drinking, your habits around your food intake, your habits around your food preparation, um, your food buying behavior, what you're eating, much more than just the parameters of what a specific diet entails. And I apologize if I use them interchangeably just out of habit, but they do typically mean very similar things. But let's move right along. When you look at a specific diet or when you ask a trainer or a coach, well, what diet should I follow? What diet should I do? It's really a double-edged sword because you're asking somebody who may or may not know your history when it comes to food, your uh <laughs> food habits, your preferences in particular foods, uh, which is personally why I don't prescribe or what I don't recommend a specific diet because I need to know that information for me to make an educated guess or an educated decision or recommendation for that fact. But when you as a consumer or you as an individual look at the spread of different diets that are out there, one thing that you need to consider is this, and that is 80% of what those diets are recommending are virtually the same. I want that to sink in for a hot second because that is not what is commonly preached. That is often not what you'll see in your social media posts or the uh, the the salesy things or the, the things that really sell you on trying out that specific diet. But when you compare them across the board, 80% of what they all entail are the same. The remaining 20% of what you see in a particular diet, that is what is different. Meaning when you're looking at keto, 20% is different than what you would be doing if you were following, say, something like veganism or even paleo. The 20% is what's different. The 80% is what is exactly the same. Not exactly the same, but the 80% is what is primarily the same. 
So if I haven't confused you with the numbers enough yet, let's leave the numbers to themselves and let's actually talk about that 80% that is the same across all the diets. So the number one thing that I want to point out is that regardless of the diet, typically you'll see the maintenance of the protein, that there is a priority on the protein in most cases, meaning that it is relative to your body shape and size, or it is relative to your body, meaning that it is still recommended based on your personal size meaning that even if you're 100 pounds, you're not eating 300 grams of protein because that would be way too much. There's still some level of um, maintaining your numbers based on your body. Another thing across all these is that you're eating more whole foods. Typically, you're not getting rid of things like vegetables. Even when you think about it in keto, there's still a ton of green leafy vegetables that still need to be eaten. Um, unless you're doing something like the carnivore diet, which is so far off the spectrum that I don't even want to talk about it today, but another story for another time. The third thing that is in common with all these things is that they they recommend drinking lots of water. We need to be getting at least two liters of water in a day, uh, ideally. But the fourth thing, the fourth thing that they recommend is typically reducing sugar. I don't know of a diet out there that encourages eating sugar, um, <laughs> whether it's refined or otherwise. Um, but typically you're reducing your amount of sugar intake with any type of diet, period. Another thing is alcohol. You're reducing the amount of alcohol intake because it's empty calories. It's not providing much benefit, if any benefit, other than emotional or feeling like you're having fun for a period of time. But that's, again, another story for another time. Another thing that all of these diets are recommending are reducing trans fats. If your diet incorporates some type of uh, meat product, then they always encourage going for a high quality grass fed or um, sort of farmer's market locally raised type of meat versus going through a factory farmed meat product. Um, however, if you're utilizing something that doesn't require meat, obviously getting your your beans and legumes from a, uh, a dry source versus a canned source. Both will work, but obviously on a scale or on a spectrum, you wanna have the least processed food as possible and the highest quality food as possible. A side note that I want to bring up is that if there is a particular diet that you're interested in in doing, that's totally fine. I have zero judgment. I don't think that there is one that is better than the other, other than the one that works best for you long term. And that is the, the consideration is long term and what is sustainable for you. But something to consider for yourself is if you see a diet that completely eliminates a food group, something like dairy or fruit and vegetables or even grains, I am more suspicious of than the other ones that seem more radical, but still incorporate all of the food groups. This is more of a personal recommendation than a uh, somebody 
some <laughs> a governing body suggested this, but this is a personal thing. I don't believe that food groups should be eliminated unless you have a specific sensitivity or an allergy towards that food group. So if you have celiacs and like, I'm talking full-blown celiacs, then yeah, you don't need to be consuming grains or anything of that sort. Same sort of thing if you're lactose intolerant, that is a different story. But if you are an apparently healthy individual with no sensitivities or no no allergies that to a specific food group, then I'm particularly suspicious of diets that contain or diets that restrict you from eating fruits and veggies, especially. That's the big one. Because even though f- fruits have sugar in them, um, you, there are still many more fruits that don't have a ton of sugar in them, but they also have fiber and other phytonutrients that are important for our bodies. But that is just a side note and a consideration for you when you're choosing a specific diet that you're interested in. One thing that I often recommend to my clients when they suggest that they're, when they're, they're asking about this and they're asking about a particular diet and they're like, Hey, should I try this? Or, what do you think of this? Or I've been doing this for six months. I want to try this. It's like, sweet. That's not a problem. Um, but you're going to keep a food journal. You're going to write down how you feel every day and you're going to keep track of stuff because if you just do this for another, or if you, if you go from one particular way of eating to another one, and there is a drastic difference between the two, I'm talking if you go vegetarian to keto, you're going to go through some very different experiences that you need to pay attention to. What I'm trying to get at is that you're you're just going to take some notes and have a data record of what that experience was like, what your hunger cues were, and were you eating more because you felt like you could, or were you eating less because you just weren't hungry? Those are all important cues to just your typical eating habits and your eating behaviors that are extremely valuable moving forward whenever you choose to go to the next one. Now, if you are more in the intuitive eating camp, which I I recommend, um, it is a difficult process to get to that point where you are able to intuitively understand how you eat and why you feel the way that you do when you're either craving something or when you are when you're feeling like you are overeating for whatever reason there is a lot of intuitive or intuition that is involved when it comes to your eating behavior and your eating habits and I'll definitely be talking about this in a future episode but above all else for for me personally for the vast majority of people if the protein is the same and the calories are within a reasonable amount and it is sustainable for you long term i'm on board that's that's what i try and get people to to realize and rec- or to get to because then you're able to start to get into some of the more deeper uh challenging habits and behaviors that uh are just they're they're one step harder than the the minimums that i've spoken about before So to recap, I just want you to consider when you're choosing a new diet that you want to try or uh, when you are considering your next diet, remember that 80% of the core 
core things with that diet are going to be much the same with many of the other diets that are out there. Just remember that the 20% that is not the same as everything else, that is the thing that gets more of the awareness, more of the attention because it's sexier. It's what is different. It's what the Kardashians did or whatever reason. It's the thing that gets more limelight than the actual 80% of the rules. And if I could get you to think about the 80%, which we outlined in this episode, if you think about those things that are the 80% rules, you'll be fine. You will achieve your result and you will be able to improve your nutrition much faster than if you focus on the 20%, which is the sexier and the non-fulfilling component of the, of the diet. If you forget everything else in this episode, just remember to focus on the 80% and you will be fine. <laughs> remember, simple is better. Simple may not be easy, but simple is better. So that is all for this episode. I hope that you enjoyed. We kind of got into the weeds with some of the numbers there, and I hope that it wasn't too difficult to follow. I hope that it opened up your eyes when it comes to some of the the diets and the fad diets that are out there. And uh, again, focus on the 80% and you'll be fine. And uh, once again, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. Please subscribe to the show and I will chat with you in the next episode. Take care.